Black History Month programming sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, asking you to join him in celebrating the many different musical movements created and perfected by black artists. From jazz and rhythm and blues to soul, and we are celebrating Black History Month with the sound of black artistry. Representative Steve Casey, District 50, remembering and celebrating Black History Month through music. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Welcome once again to WNRI's Black History Month series, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash, and this is it, week four of this series that began at the beginning of February. We started at number 50. Today, starting the countdown at number 20, it's Prince. A talent like no other. Performance skills of James Brown. The musicianship to play over 30 instruments. And vision to give the world 39 albums during his lifetime. Prince Rogers Nelson. Born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Singer-songwriter. Musician. Record producer. Dancer. Actor. Director. is recognized as one of the greatest musicians of his generation. In addition to his 39 released albums, a vault found in his home following his death was found to contain dozens of fully produced albums and over 50 music videos that were never released. Besides his own recordings, he wrote songs for other artists as well, most notably Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor and Manic Monday by The Bengals. It's estimated the number of songs written by Prince total well over 1,000. Prince signed a recording contract with Warner Brother Records at the age of 19. His sixth album, Purple Rain, in 1984, was recorded with his backup band, The Revolution, and was a soundtrack to the film with Prince's acting debut of the same name, Purple Rain. Purple Rain spent six months on top of the Billboard 200, won the Academy Award for Best Original Song Score. He had a contract dispute in 1993, and that's when he changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol, and sometimes would be referred to as the artist. He chose the artist because of the legal language in the contract. Throughout the music industry, individuals are not mentioned by name, but referred to merely as the artist. He did sign with Arista Records in 98 and began referring to himself once again by Prince in the year 2000. Broke back into the mainstream with a huge performance at the Grammy Awards in 2004. Following that performance, he scored six U.S. Top 10 albums over the following decade. Sold over 150 million records worldwide, ranking him among the best-selling musicians of all time. His awards include the Grammy President's Merit Award, the American Music Award for Achievement of Merit, the Billboard Icon Award, the Academy Award, and a Golden Globe award inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in the year 2004 and the rhythm and blues music hall of fame in 2016 let's go with one of his biggest number one songs from the purple rain soundtrack 1984 spent five weeks at number one here's our number 20 artist on our countdown today it's prince when doves cry Kiss. The 
at number 19 it's probably the first name that comes to your mind when you think of the blues and that's bb king because he's the artist most responsible for spreading the blues everything from king's unique guitar playing to his thrilling voice became the staple of american culture there isn't a blues artist that came after bb king that had not tried to imitate that signature bending style of course played on the most famous guitar in the world named lucille As far as the story behind the name Lucille, it stems from a gig that was interrupted by a fire while playing in an Arkansas club in 1949. Once outside, B.B. King realized that he left his guitar inside, so he went back into the burning building to retrieve his beloved Gibson hollow-body guitar. When he learned the next day that two men who started the fire had been fighting over a woman who worked at the hall named Lucille, B.B. King then named his guitar after her to remind himself, one, never to fight over a woman, and two, not to run into a burning building. He toured tirelessly throughout his musical career, averaging more 
more than 200 concerts per year well into his 70s. In 1956 alone, he appeared at 342 shows. Born in 1925, coming from the cotton plantation in Mississippi to the Hall of Fame, it's our number 19 artist, B.B. King, with his 1969 hit, The Thrill Is Gone.
Number 18, it's Marvin Gaye, who spent most of the 1960s simply becoming Motown's biggest solo star. He was born Marvin Pence Gaye Jr. Back in 1939, Marvin Gaye, singer-songwriter, record producer, came up through the music industry, started out as an in-house session player, and earned his way to become a solo artist with a string of hits, producing the nickname The Prince of Motown and Prince of Soul. Motown hits include Ain't That Peculiar, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You, I Heard It Through the Grapevine. In the 80s, he released Sexual Healing. That 1982 hit won his first two Grammy Awards for the album Midnight Love induction into the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and of course, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's enjoy a song that spent seven weeks at number one in 1968, the first of three number one songs for our number 18 artist, here's Marvin Gaye. Now a Black History Month biography on the Tuskegee Airman, brought to you by State Representative District 50, Steve Casey. 
They were pioneers who blazed a trail through the war-torn skies over Europe. Before the Tuskegee Airmen of World War II, no black American had ever been a U.S. military pilot. After the Tuskegee Airmen, the U.S. military would never be the same. More and more black pilots were proving their ability to fly, but the U.S. military would still not let them fly for their country. The Negro is physically qualified for combat duty, but he, he is, is by, by nature, nature subservient and believes himself to be inferior to the white man. He has not the initiative and resourcefulness of the white man. African-Americans in military were only allowed and relegated to subordinate roles, uh, cooks, cleaners, etc. But just before the outbreak of the U.S. entry into World War II, you have blacks who are saying, wait a minute, and we want to fly, we want to participate. A black fighter pilot seems to go contrary to the notion that African-Americans are inferior and that fighter pilots are the best of the best. Nazi Germany represented racism on a monstrous scale. In America, black leaders put pressure on the government to prove its founding principles of democracy and justice for all. So what they decided to do was to create an all-black base and train an all-black squadron. And Tuskegee, the historic Tuskegee Institute, was selected as the base, and they built a base there and began training in 1941. For the first time, the military allowed black pilots to train for combat. The military set a high bar for acceptance into Tuskegee. Those who got in were smart and experienced. Most of the people who make the initial cuts to be Tuskegee Airmen, these are people who could already fly. So those who got their wings were skilled pilots ready for combat. But not everyone thought they were ready. They said it was an experiment and later learned that they fully expected it to fail. Uh, so we were putting our best foot forward. For years they trained, but did not deploy. Finally, with black leaders continuing to pressure the military, the Tuskegee Airmen were sent to Europe as bomber escorts in 1943. By the end of the war, the Tuskegee Airmen had proven their mettle. They were disciplined, accomplished pilots. To be clear, not every airman was a pilot. For every man who flew, there were 10 keeping him in the air. Men and women, military and civilian, who served on ground duty support like mechanics, supply personnel, cooks, and more. And not all were black. Some were white or Latino or Native American. One notable woman who helped the Tuskegee Airmen take off into history was the First Lady of the United States. Eleanor Roosevelt visited the squadron in 1941 and insisted a black pilot take her up and that photographs would be taken. These photographs helped convince President Franklin Delano Roosevelt to send the unit into action, first in North Africa and later in Europe. The 99th, along with other squadrons, later formed the 332nd Fighter Group in Europe, their planes boasting tails painted bright red. In Europe, the airmen would fly more than 15,000 sorties, completing an unequaled 1,500 combat missions, all while showing great courage, skill, and dedication. Among their decorations, 150 distinguished flying crosses. Squadron leader Benjamin O. Davis Jr. would eventually rise to the rank of three-star general, receiving a fourth star post-retirement. The Tuskegee Airmen were deactivated in 1946. 
The experiment a great success, but more than that, the Brave Flyers had proved themselves in combat, and their performance helped pave the way for desegregation of the military in 1948. Today, the National Park Service's Tuskegee Airmen National Historic Site in Alabama helps tell their story and preserves their memory for all time. This Black History Month programming is sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, reminding you that Black artists evolved from blues and jazz in the 1940s to soul music in the 1950s. From soul music came Motown and then hip-hop, disco, and rap. Artists like Duke Ellington paved the way for the Supremes, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and Michael Jackson. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through Black Musical Excellence. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. You're listening to WNRI's Black History Month special, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamage. This is our fourth and final week of this series. If you missed any earlier episodes, you can simply go to WNRI.com. You'll see the link and you can get caught up on the entire countdown. We started at number 50 and right now we are at number 17. Now, before artists like Little Richard, Elvis, Chuck Berry, there was a woman, and her name was Sister Rosetta Tharp, born in March of 1915. Singer, songwriter, guitar player, recording artist, she gained popularity in the 1930s and 40s with her gospel recordings. She was the first great recording star of gospel music and among the first gospel musicians to appeal to rhythm and blues and rock and roll audiences. Sister Rosetta Tharp was a pioneer with her guitar technique and was among the first popular recording artists to use heavy distortion on her electric guitar, of course foreshadowing the rise of electric blues. A bold performer willing to cross the line between sacred and secular by performing her music of light in the darkness of nightclubs with big bands behind her. But she pushed spiritual music right into the mainstream and pioneered the rise of pop gospel. With her hits like in 1938 recording Rock Me and her 1939 hit This Train. In 2004, Tharp's release of Down by the Riverside was selected for the National Recording Registry of the U.S. Library of Congress. And her 1945 hit Strange Things Happening Every Day was the first gospel record to cross over, hitting number two on Billboard's Race Records chart. That was an alternative name. Eventually, that chart would become the R&B charts. Finally, in 2018, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an early influencer. Here's our number 17 artist with that archived recording from 1944, Down by the Riverside. It's Sister Rosetta Tharp. Sister 
another day. Yeah. I feel so bad in the evening. In the evening. That's why I'm going to the river. Wash my sins away. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Study war no more. I ain't going to study war no more. No, I ain't going to study war no more. No, no, I ain't going to study. Study war no more. Number 16, it's the Fat Man, Fats Domino. A massive star through the 1950s, his music going beyond rock and roll really built up that New Orleans rhythm and blues. The pianist and songwriter is a true pioneer of rock and roll music. By the year 1955, five of his records sold more than a million copies, being certified as gold. It's estimated he sold more than 110 million records throughout his lifetime, landing 37 songs in the top 40, including 11 peaking inside the top 10. Four of Fats Domino's records were named to the Grammy Hall of Fame. Blueberry Hill, Ain't That a Shame, Walking to New Orleans, and The Fat Man. The Fat Man is one of Fats Domino's earliest recordings, recorded shortly after he signed with Imperial Records in 1949. Historians will cite this recording as the first rock and roll single and the first to sell more than one million copies. But today we're going to hear the song that charted the highest, number two for three weeks in 1956. It's Blueberry Hill and our number 16 artist of this countdown, Fats Domino. I found my thrill. Very hill in Lane. 
Black History Month biography on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Brought to you by State Representative District 50, Steve Casey. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929, and graduated as the valedictorian of Crozier Theological Seminary in 1951. King became pastor of a Baptist church in Montgomery, Alabama, and later completed his Ph.D. Martin Luther King was a religious man. He was a pastor. He looked at racism and all of the, the so-called separate but equal laws and the terrible treatment of people of color in the United States. And he said, this is absolutely wrong. This is against God's will. This is not recognizing the dignity of peoples. And he made us all face that in very powerful ways. On the eve of Rosa Parks' refusal to move to the back of a city bus in 1955, King was chosen to lead a citywide bus boycott. Two years later, King and a group of civil rights activists formed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference to conduct nonviolent protests for civil rights. When Martin Luther King led the Alabama boycott, that was a major turning point in the fight for civil rights. What you saw was people who had been fractionized coming together as one, walking together with others joining the fight. This was when people, America, the world, stood up and said, whoa, what are we looking at here? An amazing time. Inspired by Gandhi's activism, King worked with the SCLC to organize black voters and civil rights protests. In 1963, King was arrested at a march in Alabama. During his prison time, King wrote a rebuttal to an article denouncing his methods. His longhand notes on the margins of the newspaper became known as Letter from Birmingham Jail and was famously republished and studied in colleges across the country. Martin Luther King was a man of God who believed that that calling necessitated social change in the present and he put his life on the line for that calling. Free at last! Free at last! 
August 28, 1963, King led more than 20,000 people in a massive demonstration at the Lincoln Memorial, where his speech, I Have a Dream, became a defining moment in civil rights history. Through his work, King helped pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and received the Nobel Peace Prize that same year. Martin Luther King, according to Time in 1963, personified uh, the Civil Rights Movement. He took on one of the greatest challenges of his time and was one of the people that most influenced this very transformative time in American history. Although King faced criticism from more militant black leaders, he continued his peaceful efforts toward both racial and economic justice. After delivering his I've Been to the Mountaintop speech at a rally in Memphis, King was assassinated the next day on April 4, 1968, while standing at the balcony of his motel room. King's assassination was, I think, devastating for many people. But there is also a rising level of organization, and many people, King's assassination galvanizes them into many kind of black power movements across the country, many anti-poverty movements. So it's both a moment of despair, but also a moment of political flowering. Posthumously, King was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1977 and a Congressional Gold Medal in 2004. Today, the Martin Luther King Jr. National Holiday continues to be honored on the third Monday of every January. This Black History Month programming is sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, reminding you that Black artists evolved from blues and jazz in the 1940s to soul music in the 1950s. From soul music came Motown and then hip-hop, disco, and rap. Artists like Duke Ellington paved the way for the Supremes, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and Michael Jackson. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through Black Musical Excellence. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Welcome back to WNRI's Black History Month series, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Kamash, and if you're just joining us this hour, here's what you missed. At number 20 was Prince. Number 19, B.B. King. At number 18, Marvin Gaye. Number 17, Sister Rosetta Tharp. And at number 16 was Fats Domino. And that brings us to today's honorable mention to Live Crew. So you may be asking yourself, now, how can one of the most sexually explicit music acts of all time that only produced three top 40 hits throughout their career, the highest position held number 20, could possibly make it into this list of the most influential black music acts of all time? Now, that's a fair question. Luckily, I have a fair answer for you. Now, every music act, regardless of color, gender, age, nationality, and genre of music after the year 1990 owe their artistic creative freedom to express themselves freely without compromise to Two Live Crew and their spokesperson, Luke Campbell. The first groundbreaking step taken by Two Live Crew before any legal turmoil ever started was actually to record two versions of an album, a clean version 
and a nasty version, a practice to which is commonplace amongst today's hip-hop artists. And Uncle Luke, as he's commonly referred to, also created the Parental Advisory Label, which is seen today on music productions, another level of protection, trying to make sure the right version went to adults and not children. And this was all before the legal turmoil. That came in 1989 as the group released their third album, As Nasty As They Wanna Be, which also became the group's most successful album. Large part of its success due to a single called Me So Horny, so I guess you get the idea. Became very popular and got a heavy radio rotation. However, the American Family Association didn't think the presence of this parental advisory sticker was adequate enough to warn listeners of what was inside the case. They attained an attorney, met with the governor of Florida, and convinced him to see if this met the legal classification of obscenity. Court action taken in 1990, when a ruling came from the circuit court that probable cause for obscenity violations exist. And record store owners were warned that selling the album may be prosecutable. The first round of court action, filed by two live crew, had a U.S. District Court judge rule the album obscene and illegal to sell. Now keep in mind, this is a period of our history where the pornography industry was thriving. Cable television was flooding homes of America with networks like Cinemax and their popular Max After Dark adult programming. In the music industry, gangster rap was exploding across the country with extremely violent lyrics, which Two Live Crew did not use in their music. No gun violence, no anti-police message, just plenty of sexual content. Didn't take long, a record store clerk was the first in Alexander City, Alabama, to be arrested and cited for selling a copy of that album to an undercover police officer in 1988. The first time in the United States that a record store owner was liable for selling obscenity through music. Following that arrest, three members of Two Live Crew were arrested as they performed hits from As Nasty As They Want To Be at a club in Hollywood, Florida, leading to an outpouring of support from freedom of speech advocates. But they were acquitted soon thereafter. And as for the record store clerk, well, his conviction was overturned on appeal as well. More appeals in 1992. The United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit overturned the obscenity ruling from that first initial judge. And the United States Supreme Court refused to hear the appeal from Broward County. Next, two live crew would release something different. An extremely political follow-up album called Band in the USA. And yes, they did get permission to use this riff from Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. So here it is, that 1990 anthem for freedom of speech, their number 20 hit, today's honorable mention to Live Crew. We think it's the uh, banning of free speech. The first amendment protects material, presumptively. We don't talk about uh, harassment, sexually brutalizing women in my music, man. We don't do that in my music, man. I'm tired of you saying that. We've got white dollar people trying to grab our side, saying we're too nasty and we're too live. Corrupted politicians playing games, bringing us down to boost their fame. They must be joking, thinking we were poor, but their life flies, moving the wall. We stand tall from beginning to end, with help from fans and all our friends. Freedom of speech will never die, for us to have our ancestors died. Don't keep thinking that we will quit, we'll always stand and never sit. We're too live, too black, too strong, doing the right thing and not the wrong. So listen up, y'all, to what we say, we won't be banned in the USA. Are for adults. 
Luke's concerts are for adults. Our record is a year old, but with all the publicity, there's a lot of people, curiosity is around. We're selling records to a totally different audience. I take the precaution that nobody else has. I stickered my album. I made two versions, two versions, two versions. The First Amendment gave us freedom of speech. So what you're saying, it didn't include me? I like to party and have a good time. There's nothing but pleasure written in our rhyme. I know you don't think we'll ever quit. We got some people on our side that won't take your lip. We're gonna do all the things we wanna do. You can't stand to see a brother get as rich as you. This is the 90s and we're coming on strong, saying things and doing things that you're saying's wrong. Rising up, cause on election day, we'll see who's banned in the USA. At number 15, it's Ella Fitzgerald, an American jazz singer, sometimes referred to as the First Lady of Song, the Queen of Jazz, and Lady Ella. After a difficult childhood, Fitzgerald found stability and music success with the Chick Webb Orchestra performing across the country. Her rendition of the nursery rhyme, A Tisket, A Tasket, helped raise them both to national fame. Eventually, in 1942, Ella Fitzgerald left the group behind to start her solo career, and it was with Verve Records, where she recorded some of her more widely noted songs, particularly her works of the Great American Songbook. She was known for great duets with artists like Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington and the Ink Spots, which produced some of her best-known songs like Dream a Little Dream of Me, Cheek to Cheek, and It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. And throughout that long musical career, she earned 14 Grammy Awards, the National Medal of Arts, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. But strangely enough, she only had one top 40 hit, and it was in 1960. This song peaked at number 27. It's Ella Fitzgerald 
number 15 on the countdown. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We'd like to do something for you now. We haven't heard a girl sing it. And since it's so popular, we'd like to try and do it for you. We hope we remember all the words. Surprise him! 
At number 14, it's John Coltrane, a titan of jazz music, whose impact was not only limited to jazz, he'd have tremendous impact on rock and roll, inspiring artists like Frank Zappa, Jimi Hendrix, and The Doors. Coltrane was born back in 1926, main instrument was saxophone, played clarinet, a terrific composer working in bebop jazz early in his career. He led at least 50 recording sessions, appearing on many albums with other musicians, including trumpeter Miles Davis and pianist Thelonious Monk. Coltrane recorded many albums for the Prestige label under his own name. He remains one of the most influential saxophonists in music history. Received numerous posthumous awards, including canonization by the African Orthodox Church and a Pulitzer Prize in 2007. Let's listen into a recording named Giant Steps. It's our number 14 artist, John Coltrane. Thank you. 
And now, a Black History Month biography on Willie O'Ree. Brought to you by State Representative District 50, Steve Casey. When I was uh, 14, I had uh, set two goals for myself. Play pro hockey and play in the National Hockey League. And Boston with O'Ree down the ice. It never dawned on me that I broke down barriers and opened doors for players of color that are now playing in the National Hockey League. Willie O'Ree of the Boston Bruins, a native of Fredericton, New Brunswick, is the first Negro to play in the National Hockey League. And there he is. We were at that game. He's inspired a generation of hockey players. We didn't know he was blind in one eye. He's got to be the most mentally strong person I've ever met. The O'Ree family came through the Underground Railroad. They were playing from slavery. You know, you'd be sitting in the penalty box and you'd hear the racial slurs. I always kept it on the ice. I played 45 games in the NHL and played 21 years pro. If it hadn't been for coming back and working for the NHL like he did, he might have been forgotten. Why don't we have Willie O'Ree in the Hockey Hall of Fame? It's interesting to note that several people said, well, we thought he was. Don't let anybody tell you you can't attain your goal. If you feel strong within your heart, within your mind, those are the things you can overcome. I found out how you make a public submission. I wrote a letter asking the Hall of Fame to consider Willie and why. Sometimes when you meet heroes, they're not all that you want them to be. Willie was a thousand times more than I thought he was. I've known him for about 70 years. We're so proud of him. To get there when he did is incredible. The ending of segregation, for those who first walked through those doors, they bore a tremendous burden. In terms of this business of being the Jackie Robinson of hockey, have you had any troubles? No, none, none that you could uh say that were troubles. I've heard a few jeers like that, but uh, I guess all hockey players do. Yeah. When he broke the color barrier in 1958, it was a racially charged time, and he was in the guts of it. And O'Ree goes back for Boston. Every game that I played, there was racial remarks directed towards me. You should be back picking cotton, and what are you doing in a white man's game? Being the first person of color to do a lot of things, you're always earning someone's respect or gratitude. If I was a white male, I'd be given. We had a Willie O'Ree weekend. He received a threatening letter from a white supremacist group. It just seems surreal in such a day and age that those things were still happening. Fans at the Chicago Blackhawks game were ejected last night for yelling racially charged chants. Race is a big topic. Yeah, I just had to speak up and let people know that, you know. I don't stand for that. I think you have to have the courage to take that one step beyond and follow your dream. Sixty years ago, Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in professional hockey. He changed the game forever. This is what Willie did for me today. Representation is so important. Progress often takes a long time. But it does come. There are so many reasons to celebrate Willie's life and accomplishments. Willie is a hero. He's a hockey hero. If he's not a builder, then I don't know who is, you know. There are few players worthier of being inducted into the Hall of Fame. 
and it is long overdue that Willie's name be added to that list. Being in the Hall of Fame, I don't think there's any higher title that you'd want to receive. Toronto. Oh, God. This Black History Month programming is sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, reminding you that Black artists evolved from blues and jazz in the 1940s to soul music in the 1950s. From soul music came Motown and then hip-hop, disco, and rap. Artists like Duke Ellington paved the way for the Supremes, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and Michael Jackson. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through Black Musical Excellence. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. This is WNRI's Black History Month series, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash, and we are now at number 13. Now, who's the greatest pop star, greatest performer of all time, not named Elvis Presley? And some may say even surpassing the king. There's only one name, Michael Jackson. From the days as a breakout star in his youth, as a member of the Jackson 5, to the solo star he became. The studio albums released during his lifetime were monster records, including the blockbuster Thriller. Michael Jackson would transform the touring industry, breaking down color barriers on MTV, all while influencing countless numbers of performers. He was dubbed the king of pop. Besides music, he's one of the most significant cultural figures of the 20th century. Through his stage and video performances, Michael Jackson popularized national dance moves such as the moonwalk and the robot. Through his stage and musical performances, he impacted dance moves across the country with signature moves such as the moonwalk and the robot. And his contributions to music, dance, and fashion made him a global figure in popular culture for over four decades. And Michael Jackson is the most awarded artist in the history of popular music. As one of the best-selling music artists of all time, it's estimated he sold over 350 million records worldwide. Thriller is the best-selling album of all time. Bad was the first album to produce five Billboard 100 number one singles. And Michael Jackson had 13 Billboard Hot 100 number one songs, more than any other male artist in the Hot 100 era. And his longevity made him the first artist to have a top 10 single in the Billboard Hot 100 throughout five different decades. 13 Grammy Awards, the Grammy Legend and Lifetime Achievement Awards, Golden Globes, holds 39 Guinness World Records, including the most successful entertainer of all time. Twice inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Dance Hall of Fame as well. The only recording artist ever to be inducted into the Dance Hall of Fame. And the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame, here's our number 13 artist with his number one hit from 1983, Michael Jackson.
once said the world did not know what a true musical genius was until our number 12 artist was born. And that's Stevie Wonder, born Stevlin Hardaway Morris in 1950. He turned blind shortly after his birth, but Stevie Wonder really was a child prodigy in music. He became known as Little Stevie Wonder, leading him to sign with Motown's Tamla label at the age of 11. And in 1963, the single Fingertips was a number one hit on the Billboard 100 chart. And that was when Stevie Wonder was 13 years of age, making him the youngest artist ever to top the chart. But his classic period began in 1972 with the release of Music of My Mind and Talking Book, which featured Superstition, sold over 100 million records worldwide, 22 Grammy Awards, the first Motown artist and second African-American musician to win an Academy Award for Best Original Song. 
That came in the 1984 film The Woman in Red. Inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Songwriters Hall of Fame, he even received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Besides music, he was noted as an activist for political causes. Like in 1980, when he campaigned to make Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday a federal holiday. And in 2009, he was named a United Nations Messenger of Peace. And in 2014, he was honored with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Here's that groundbreaking number one song from 1972, Superstition. Our number 12 artist, Stevie Wonder.
And that brings us to number 11. It's Muddy Waters, the Hoochie Coochie Man. Born McKinley Morganfield in 1913, but was known professionally as Muddy Waters. Known as the father of Martin Chicago Blues. Grew up on a Stovall plantation near Clocksdale, Mississippi. But by the age of 17, was playing the guitar and the harmonica and was actually recorded in Mississippi for the Library of Congress in 1941. In 43, he moved to Chicago to become a full-time professional musician. And in 1946, he recorded his first records for Columbia Records and then changed to Aristocrat Records. But for those blues classics, it's the early 1950s. Muddy Walters and his band. Those recordings include Hoochie Coochie Man. I just want to make love to you. I'm ready. His performance at the Newport Jazz Festival in 1960 was recorded and released as his first live album, featuring an all-star band in 1950 with Jimmy Rogers on guitar, Little Walter on harmonica, Elgin Evan on drums, Willie Dixon on double bass, Otis Spann on piano, and our number 11 artist on vocals and electric, here's Muddy Waters. The gypsy woman told my mother Before I was born You got a boy child coming He gonna be a son of a gun He gonna make pretty women's Jump and shout Then the world wanna know What this all about But you know I'm here Everybody knows I'm here Well you know the hoochie coochie man Everybody knows I got a black cat bone I got a mojo too I got a John the Conqueror I got to mess with you I'm gonna make you girls Leave me by my hand Then the world will know I'm a hoochie coochie man But you know I'm here On the seven hour, on the seven day, on the seven month, the seven doctors say he was born for good luck, and that you see, I got seven hundred dollars. Don't you mess with me, but you know I'm down.
Black History Month programming on WNRI brought to you by State Representative Steve Casey. An important part of Black history is the message given through music. Through the years, artists like Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye and Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and many more were pioneers in their musical field, delivering important messages of the time. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through music here on WNRI. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Well, let's recap this hour of the Top 50 Countdown, the most influential black music artists of all time. We started at number 20 with Prince. Number 19, B.B. King. Number 18, Marvin Gaye. Number 17, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Number 16, Fats Domino. Number 15, Ella Fitzgerald. Number 14, John Coltrane. Number 13, Michael Jackson. Number 12, Stevie Wonder. And our number 11 artist, Muddy Waters. Thanks for listening, and don't miss our Top 10 Countdown to follow.